This is the Shopify Dropify, hosted by The Cut. I think, and this is maybe a little bit obvious, you know, there's a certain level of sensitivity that you have to have with any piece of communication that you're putting out, regardless of channels. Whether it's organic social, whether it's a Google ad, whether it's paid social, whether it's email. There's so many other avenues that people need to come to your website in order to ultimately make a purchase. But then also like email automations, like people just don't don't necessarily always think about that. And, and that's one for me that um, is so impactful. Welcome back. This is your Shopify e-commerce podcast hosted by The Cut and called the Shopify Dropify. For everyone in retail, e-commerce and online sales, The Cut is here to help you learn more, improve your websites and grow your engagement and conversions. Call the guys at The Cut anytime. In this episode, Ben talks to Ben Zettler from Ben Zettler Digital Media. Based in New York, Ben runs a digital media consultancy and specializes in e-commerce marketing. Any online store owner or e-commerce marketer will find this conversation super valuable. Ben and Ben cover a lot of ground, from a COVID situation to social media, email marketing, and much more. Listen in and learn. Okay, welcome back to the Shopify Dropify. My name is Ben DeJong. I'm a director at The Cut. And today we're saying a big thank you to Ben Zettler for joining us all the way from New York in the United States. Can you introduce yourself, Ben, and um, give us a quick overview of your company? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the two Bens on the podcast today, which is exciting. Um, absolutely. Always good to talk to another uh, person with the best name on the planet. Yeah, there we go, right? Um, yeah, my, my story is a little interesting. Um, and I always say that because I've got this experience across a couple of different levels of the e-commerce and Shopify world. Where right now okay. I'm a Shopify expert. Uh, I'm a full-time consultant where I work with startups, uh, enterprise-level brands, athletes, public figures on optimizing their business. Um, but I also have the experience of being a Shopify store owner myself. I started a company seven years ago uh, called no, Brookside Sunglasses. Yep. Yep. And and that's how I kind of got into this world. Um, and, and that was really the first domino into learning Shopify, understanding social and digital marketing, uh, understanding email marketing, all the things that I touch on on a, a I guess a totally different level today. Really, all started there. Um, and okay. on top of that, for a five and a half year period, I worked a full time job outside of the consulting work that I was doing um, at a company called Steiner Sports. Uh, which at the time when I was there was the largest autograph sports memorabilia company of its kind. And so I've got this experience working for an enterprise-level brand, which I helped replatform over to Shopify, actually. Okay. And um, starting my own business, which I was fortunate enough to sell two years ago. And then also working with a lot of amazing clients. And it's been really great. Yeah, I, I see. Uh, I see a really interesting kind of thread there. So it's obviously super valuable for you in what you're doing now as a consultant to have been through the journey that your clients have been through. So you've done a startup, sunglasses, eyewear, and and you you went through that whole journey as a startup e-commerce entrepreneur, right? Yep, absolutely. And I I call on that experience almost every single day. I mean, certainly everything I do has, has something to do with that. But even in talking to clients and prospects, I just had a phone call about two hours ago 
um, with somebody that was they're, they're right in the midst right now of, of building something and putting something together. And, and for me and for my business and growing my business, it's always a tremendous asset because I, like you said, I've been through that experience, um, with different folks or, or sorry, with myself. Uh, and then when I speak to different folks, um, it, it's, I guess, a, a little comforting, um, that I can relate to their struggles and, um, relate to some of their successes too. Um, completely, completely yeah. get that. I mean, you know, Shopify merchants love hearing from Shopify merchants because they, they, they at whatever level, I think, and that's why the meetups and the, and the Shopify community is so powerful because when merchants get together, they love to swap stories and help each other. Uh, and I guess it gives you, you know, that a hugely high level of authenticity because you've been down that road yourself. Yeah. Yes. No, there's, there's no doubt about that. That's for sure. And, um, you know, I, I, what's interesting is that a lot of what I do on the Shopify side of my services, because I, I'm also a, a Clavio partner. Um, so on the email marketing side, I'm also a Facebook marketing partner. Um, yep. there, there's other areas of, of the services that I offer, but on the Shopify side, like what I always tell people is that what I do is not rocket science. What I know is not rocket science. Um, it's really for a lot of clients, a matter of putting things together in a way that makes, if they're starting up on Shopify more efficient, if they need to have a better understanding of their e-commerce flow and they're already on Shopify and they just need help putting things together, um, yep. It's really a matter of that experience and that knowledge and, and that, I guess, kind of know-how and, and innate sort of um, uh, instincts. But, yeah, it's, it's really not, it's not rocket science. I, I mean, I, I, I'm here today because of the experiences I had before. Um, yeah. and, and certainly, I, like, like we said before, it it's, can be very comforting for, for merchants that I deal with. Yeah, completely. I absolutely agree. Um, and so your company carries your name. It's called Ben Zettler Digital Media. Um, what's, what's your role there like in terms of day-to-day and what, what's the mission of, of your business? Yeah, absolutely. So the real mission is helping my clients grow, which is obviously super, super general. And, and you know, every, every business has different goals. Um, of course, I deal with a lot of e-commerce focused companies. Um, I also deal with, like I said before, athletes, uh, public figures. So people that, you know, maybe there's some sort of e-commerce component to what they're doing. Maybe they have a foundation and they're just looking to sell product for that foundation. Or maybe sure. I'm just dealing with them strictly on a um, on the basis of optimizing their social and uh, broadening their reach, increasing their engagement, putting out better content on their social pages. Um, yeah it's really about helping people in any way possible because as a consultant who by design does not have full-time employees under me, uh, which I think given everything going on in the world right now, um, kind of came is a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's been a really good thing because I, I, yeah. you know, fortunately business has, has kind of stayed very consistent, which I'm very thankful for. Um, sure. but even so, you know, that, that presents a whole different set of challenges that, Fortunately, I, I quite frankly don't have to deal with um, right now. And what Completely. I enjoy the most is, is kind of having the ability to be flexible with different clients. Um, you know, like there, there's folks that I, I dealt with uh, four years ago. Um, one client, for example, and I'll, I'll give him a shout out. His name is Josh Shapiro. He's the CEO of Baseball Lifestyle 101, 
When we first okay. connected, it was through a mutual connection, somebody that was one of his T-shirt designers, this designer out of Ohio. Josh is based here, local to me, uh, outside Long Island. And um, he had a, a rapidly growing Instagram following, um, a couple hundred thousand followers at the time when we first connected. Uh, and it's right. all about uh, baseball, like off the field, um, you know, the things that happen in the dugout, just like kind of the funny sort of culture-ish type of stuff is what really okay. helped his page grow. And he had a Shopify presence, but, um, but only you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, but now he's on Shopify Plus and they do seven figures a year. And it's really tremendous to wow. see them grow um, to, to the extent that they have. And, and part of the structure of what I do enables me to work with folks at a, a certain level starting out, but then also seeing them grow, which is really fantastic. Yeah, so you obviously, as a as a consultant, as you say, with no full-time employees, you're very hands-on day-to-day and really hands-on with the implementation of the strategies and changes that you're recommending to the clients you work with. Yeah, 100%. Um, for the most part, most projects that I take on, I'm pretty much doing the majority of the work that uh, okay. that project may entail. I have yep. built a really nice network of um, other consultants, freelancers, contractors, Sure. Um, agencies who all pull into different projects really on an as-needed basis. Uh, yep. I've had a lot of really great partnerships that I've been fortunate to build. Yeah, very interesting. I, I didn't realize that from looking at your website. I was kind of wondering, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. It kind of looked like you must have had a team, but uh, you never really know these days. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually in the midst right now as we speak of kind of revamping the website a little bit. I figure... You know, I, I work from home anyway, but but really being home like basically twenty four seven now, I'm, I'm taking a little extra time to, uh, to to revamp things. Yeah, sure. Well, we're always revamping our own websites, aren't we? We're doing the yeah. same thing. <laughs> um, so until very recently, I was asking people what they thought of twenty twenty and the new decade. So now that question has a pretty different spin to it. Uh, and so look, we'll talk about this obviously because it's affecting everyone and you've already referred to it uh, in terms of being at home a lot more. So can you share a few key points about your own experience of COVID-19 and, and how you're seeing it affect the economy, uh, the e-commerce landscape, especially in the areas you're focusing on, so um, social media, digital marketing for sports, fashion, and, and beauty businesses. Yeah, I mean, as you'd probably expect, there's certain uh, sectors that are more highly affected than others. Um, of course. You know, f- people that I work with that are in the food business and they have the ability to deliver something to somebody that may order. Um, they are having their best four weeks they ever had. Um, yeah. You know, for a lot of luxury goods, it's a little bit more difficult because, you know, why, why would somebody necessarily buy luxury goods right now if they don't have anywhere to, to maybe wear those, those things? Or, um, sure. you know, it's, it's so um, interesting to see the impact across so many different businesses and, and how is it affecting your um, the clients you have in the sports sector? Because that's a real a niche focus for you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, surprisingly enough, even though sports are basically shut down worldwide, 
Um, yep. A lot of my sports-oriented clients are, are not really seeing much of a difference in terms of what they do and what they sell because okay. the, the the cultural element of um, how sports kind of just live and breathe still goes. I mean, you know, ESPN is, is still broadcasting and, and Bleacher Report, who I'm fortunate to count as a client, um, they still have plenty going on in the news cycle, whether it's related to tra- transactional news about teams and coaches and player signings, or if it's just the things that are now happening, like the um, NBA 2K League and the MLB The Show uh, Players League or um, just all the good stories that are also kind of coming out of this crisis of yeah, the, sure. the good things that teams and players are doing for their local communities. Like all of that just, it, it kind of continues. And so um, I really actually, actually have not seen so much of a drop off, um, you know, in terms of sales, uh, maybe a little bit, um, you know, but for the most part, it stayed relatively consistent, um, which uh, certainly so that's, is a good that's- thing. Yeah, that's awesome and, and good to hear. And I think a lot of your clients are probably lucky. We're seeing a, a huge range of, of effects. Like like you say, some some people are seeing absolutely boom times. Um, some are, are, are completely struggling and, and in terrible situations and, and some aren't really being affected that much. It's almost businesses as not as usual, but you know, not a, not a huge impact on them. Yeah, it, it is a mm-hmm. very, very interesting time. Yeah, I actually have a client um, down in your neck of the woods, um, a company called Quirky Bubba, and it's babycotsonline.com. And I'm giving them a shout out because okay. they've actually pivoted very nicely with everything that's happening. They, they sell uh, baby furniture, um, okay. so uh, mattresses, uh, rocking chairs, um, changing tables, uh, things like that. Um, yeah, yep. And what they've done very nicely is because they've had to close their showrooms, uh, they're doing uh, like virtual tours of their showrooms that people can can book, which we're showcasing and advertising. Awesome. Um, and, and so they're doing a lot of nice things um, to um, you know try to work within the, this new world that we now live in. Yeah, completely. That's uh, that's really uh, really cool, innovative idea, and good on them. Uh, assuming C nineteen is going to be you know relatively short term in the scheme of things, what sort of longer term changes do you think it's going to bring to e commerce in in general? I'm I'm personally super interested to see. I, I think when the announcement first came out last year, when with Shopify fulfillment. Um, I was very interested at the time to see once it is kind of fully implemented, how that's going to affect Shopify merchants specifically, um, yeah. and, and of course just the broader e-commerce world of um, you know who else is going to kind of lead the charge there and try to compete with Amazon on some level. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't heard yet, and I don't know if you have from my people at Shopify like what's really happening. Um, on the fulfillment side now that everybody's world is kind of flipped upside down. But, you know, when things do return back to normal, um, I'd be very interested to see how that affects how different people handle uh, their business. Because, you know, obviously there's a ton of drop shippers that are on the Shopify platform and they're yeah. very reliant on um, suppliers from China and you know, just other areas all over the world, which the whole supply chain is completely upside down right now. Yeah, um, completely. But, you know, for the people that produce their own products 
or um, or at the very least, even if they don't, but are not just drop shipping, but warehouse their own stuff. Now to have that option, I'm just very interested to see how it really plays out. I think it'll be a very good thing um, ultimately for for merchants and also for people that are are buying, so the consumers that are out there. Um, yeah, yep. And you know, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, com- completely. No, it is an interesting space, and, and I haven't heard anything specific about uh, Shopify fulfillment in relation to to COVID. We were at Toronto when the announcement was made about um, about their fulfillment move, but uh, one of the biggest announcements of Unite last year, I think, pretty much everyone agrees with. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, a big one, a big one for them. And as you say, for anyone to sort of jump into that Amazon space is, is always going to be big news. So, you know, we're, we run this podcast really to, to help people uh, learn learn more and, and hear from experts from all over the world. And also we interview a lot of merchants um, and we find people are always hungry for information, probably now more than ever um, for obvious reasons. Um, so they're, re- they're going to be really keen to learn something from you, Ben. So sure. can you give us some insight? It's based on on the current situation, and then we'll get into some broader stuff and move away from C nineteen. But in social media, for example, how has C nineteen changed some of the um, social media marketing strategies that you're using for your ecom clients? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and this is maybe a little bit obvious. Um, you know, there's a certain level of sensitivity that you have to have with any piece of communication that you're putting out, regardless of channel. So whether it's um, whether it's organic social, whether it's a Google ad, whether it's paid social, whether it's email, whether it's even simply how you word a promotion on the website itself. Um, yeah, you know, that that's probably the biggest thing that comes to mind. And again, that that may be super obvious. Um, Can you give us an example? Sure. I mean, I've had a lot of clients that, you know, obviously if, if business is down for them to some degree, they want to try to incentivize people to purchase who, you know, if people are home and healthy and just kind of hanging out, they, you, you figure they have the time to do so. Um, yes. But when putting out a sale, let's say, um, you know, a lot of companies, and I'm sure you've seen this plenty, um, are maybe doing you know, 20% off and we'll donate 20% or 10% yep. off and we'll donate 10%. Um, I mean, that, that is such low-hanging fruit. Uh, I, I really don't see a situation where anybody could run a sale right now and not do something like that um, yep. because otherwise it just seems too tone-deaf. Um, yep, and I completely. think you, know, you, you find a way to toe the line to some degree because at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's there's many people that are being directly affected by what's going on. Um, you know, two million people or over two million now have been uh, diagnosed with the virus, and so for mi- literally millions of people around the world now, you know, who cares what they're going to buy on you know website X Y Z? But for many other people, um, especially when when thinking in economic terms, so you know, not so much in health terms. Um, you know, you want to still kind of keep things going as best you can. Um, I mean, that's why you see restaurants, you know, waiving fees for, um, you know, delivery and um, just yeah. any way to continue to stimulate the economy is, a, at the end of the day, a good thing. Um, but also to be, set, to be sensitive about the current situation. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. 
No, it's a really, really good point. And so, so for right now or in the midst of, of COVID or even in the hangover of COVID, what are the most important things that any e-com business should be focused on, let's say, with their Facebook and their Instagram? Sure. Well, this is a little broader and, and it's something that I always try to tell people that I connect with. And, you know, I get a, a ton of people reaching out about social media advertising um, specifically as one of the services that I offer. And what I find is that there's a pattern of people that are just starting out. And this is maybe a good lesson for anybody out there that's listening, that's thinking about uh, starting a business or they've just started a business and they're looking for more direction and how to optimize yep. their Shopify store. Um, Perfect. Social media advertising is super, super powerful. However, it is not the end-all, be-all to a to an e-commerce strategy, um, and I think that's a thing that people miss very often. Um, and, yeah. and I see it. I see it from so many different Shopify merchants daily that I'll hear from. Uh, that hey, I, I don't have any sales. My my store has been open for uh, a week, two months, six months, no sales. Can you run some ads for me? It, it just there's so many other avenues that people yep. need to come to your website in order to ultimately make a purchase. Um, yep. And it's just it, thinking in the broader sense of strategy, advertising is so important, but so is, um, you know, what does your website actually look like? How are things formatted? Where is your menu? You know, how do you navigate to certain products? How are your collections merchandised? Um, yeah, you know, completely. If you're, you're spending all this money, or you want to spend all this money, regardless of what your budget is. Like, if if somebody has fifty dollars as a budget or five thousand, you want to spend all this money to send traffic to your website. Yet, once they get to your website, how's the foundation? So you, you have all this, you know, pretty stuff on the top of the house, but you know, if there's nothing holding it up, then what's going to ultimately happen is you're not going to make any sales. Um, completely, completely and, and also, agree. And thinking about other areas of marketing too, so that you know maybe maybe your website isn't a good place, and maybe um, uh, you know it's it's optimized in, in a in a good way that that would maybe um, um, dictate that you should be making sales if you're sending qualified traffic to the site. But at the end of the day, even if you're sending a hundred people to the site and you know ninety seven don't buy that's actually like three percent is pretty good um it's a pretty good conversion rate um, yeah but what are you doing with those other 97 people um you know you yeah. have some level of drop off let's say maybe 50 or 60 percent if you're running advertising it'll be a little higher um so there's probably 50 other legitimate people out of that hundred that are looking at the site are maybe interested in something have maybe gone to a couple of pages are you asking them for their email address? Are you asking them to opt into chat marketing? Are you op- asking them to opt into SMS? Um, doing something to incentivize them to sign up for one of those services is yep. is so important um, because yep. keep them engaged. Keep them engaged. It's an opportunity to get right to them very quickly with a specific offer to to perhaps incentivize them to make that purchase sooner rather than later. But yeah. also, I mean, social algorithms change. Um, you know, when I when I started at Steiner Sports uh, back in 2014, my first role there was social media manager. Um, I was the first person hired at that company 
on a full-time basis dedicated to social and digital marketing. And wow. we, we didn't have an Instagram. And uh, it, was, it was very easy. And what fact, year was that, Ben? This was 2014. So, okay. so back in 2014, we had uh, roughly 50,000 followers cumulatively across all social channels. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, between our, our main pages, our retail location, our CEO, um, but we really only use social as a once in a while customer service tool. But back then, six years ago, uh, it was very easy to, to grow any page, uh, Instagram in yep. particular, um, organically, yep. not, not on a paid basis, so totally organically, you know, tens of thousands of users that we could get per month, um, just from, um, you know, just from posts with some of the athletes that we worked with, just from finding people that were interested in different sports and interacting. With yeah, them. It, it was a completely different environment. Right. And so everybody was so worried of how many Instagram followers do I have? Okay, wow, look, I have 500,000. I have a million. Like, And, you know, now a million followers on Instagram, it's still good. I mean, that's still powerful. That's still impactful. Um, but it's nothing like a million followers on Instagram six years ago. Um, no. even, even for the business that I started, Brooktide, um, I, basically almost every single sale that I made with the company, with that company, um, was driven through Instagram, whether through yeah. our own, yeah. our own organic content or influencer marketing, which was just kind of in its infancy at that point. And yeah. influencers that I worked with then, um, not only could I reach all of their followers, which at the time, maybe they have a couple hundred thousand, maybe some are approaching a million. Um, it was like the wild west. And I paid at most, I paid $60 for an influencer who was, uh, like playboy playmate of the year, one year to wear my sunglasses. Everybody right. just took free product. Um, right. and those yeah. same people now today have 10 million followers. Their posts reach less than what they did back then. And they want $10,000 at a minimum for a post. Yeah. Um, so it's shifted in both ends of the spectrum. Right. And, and so getting, it's costing you more to get less engagement basically. Exactly. And, and that's just one example because obviously the, the, the growth of TikTok over the last couple of years and, and how Facebook has matured and how Twitter has matured and YouTube and Snapchat and, and Pinterest and everything else. Um, the point is kind of bringing it full circle to what merchants can learn from that is that you could spend all your time and energy trying to build out a, a social platform, which is so important. It is. I, I don't want that to be misconstrued here. That It is so sure. important. But, but I think your point is you want to make sure you're not dependent on one channel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To, yeah. to diversify your assets yeah. to some degree so that – when you know when Instagram goes down and you know and Facebook servers are, are hacked and you know when or you know your your email list something happens to your email like all those things you you want to hedge your bets a little bit um, completely completely but I think yeah. you know it, it it and you can understand why social becomes the first go to because people understand it because most people who are starting an e-com business are using Facebook and Instagram in their personal lives. So it's something they understand. It, it becomes an obvious choice. But I think it's a, it's a point that's quite often made is you, you, it doesn't make any sense to invest or put all of your eggs in the basket of one single channel. Exactly. Um, because then, if, as you say, if, some, if anything happens to that channel, whether it be a technical issue or a fallover or, or a, um, a change in their algorithms, your business could be put from a strong position to a weak position very, very quickly. 
Right. And plus thinking about opportunity also. I mean, there, there can be opportunity to even talk to the same people who through a different medium may be more apt to buy than through their feeds. Like, um, it, it's interesting because even dealing, just thinking back to my days at Steiner, when there are all these people that were following us on social, yet they would say, oh, you, know, you guys post too much, but I'll buy from you. Um, so that, that's the thing to keep in mind too, is that, you know, people maybe not, don't want to, to get, um, you know, all those posts every day, or they may want, not want to be on a certain email list. Um, well, I think probably these days they sell, they see less of the posts anyway, don't they? Right. Than they used yep. to. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Whereas everything that when you, when you used to post, like say six or eight years ago, everything that you posted would go not not quite to everyone, but more people would be seeing more of your content than they do now. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Yeah, okay. So let, let's just move away for, from the COVID thing for a few minutes um, sure. and get some more general e-com guidance um, from you, Ben, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. So when you meet an e-commerce business owner for the first time, what what is some of the best or most common advice you start with in terms of their social media? Well, number one, and this is because I'm very nitpicky and, and I'm just a stickler for these things. Um, okay. and, and it seems so minor, but like try to get your handle consistent across all, all social platforms where you're going to be present, if you can. And that's not always easy, especially now that the platforms have matured. Um, yeah. And it seems so small, but, but what I um, uh, like about that is just being consistent from a branding perspective, I think is really completely. important. And that kind I of goes back. completely yep. agree. Yep. Yeah, and that yeah, kind yeah. of goes That's back to the foundation piece too of, of, of kind of establishing a solid foundation that, that gives people the sense that here, you know, here we are, here's our brand. We're, we're buttoned up. We're, we're ready to go, you know, buy from us versus like ABC underscore period X, Y, Z dot shop. Like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always compute for me. So that, that's a, it's a smaller no. one, but it's an important one and I think worth mentioning. And as you say, in digital, those little brand elements, they are your brand. I mean, another good example that we run into a lot is that people mm-hmm. will put their full-size logo in as their, um, as their avatar on their Facebook or Instagram page. And sometimes yeah. that just doesn't work right. because the, 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 their logo is too visually complicated and on a mobile when you see the little avatar next to the post that appears next to your brand name, it look, just looks like a piece of mess. So we say you need a little avatar, something that's very simple, that's iconic, that might be graphical or a single letter or number or something, um, and you, you just use that as your avatar and that gives you that visual identity, that trigger, whereas using your full logo isn't always the answer to that sort of thing. And I think, yep. uh, you know, it's a detail, but in the scheme of things for a user when they're scrolling, it, it is a detail that matters and it does affect their perception of your brand. 100%. I mean, even me as a user, like that's something that I notice all the time. Um, yeah. You know, somebody uses their full so much. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a great so point. Much. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, no, and those are really small things, but I think the other thing worth mentioning too, um, yeah. and, and it kind of goes along the same line, you know, in terms of the actual content that you're posting, um, mm. 
you know, don't think about it too much so that, you know, you kind of handcuff yourself and you're afraid to post things. Cause I kind of see that sometimes from brands. Um, sure. but the consistency in terms of visual formatting is, is a, a, another one of those sort of stickler things from my end, but I think make such, such a difference. Like if you're a company where you do a lot of, um, uh, lifestyle photography, or, or maybe that you should do a lot of lifestyle photography because you have like streetwear or, or jewelry or whatever yeah. it may be, like, you know, whether it's, it's a photo shoot that you're paying a photographer for, maybe you have a, a, some photography chops that, you know, you've got your own DSLR and, and you have the ability to kind of shoot things. I mean, I mean, even now, like with iPhone 11, you can you make photos look really good and rich and crisp and, and high quality. And I think that it is so important um, when it comes to visual content that you're completely not, not- channel. And not just the quality of the photography, but I think something we've seen happen in Instagram, whereas, you know, almost regardless of the quality, it used to be more of a blog feed and, mm-hmm. you, you know, all the photos would potentially be a little different. Now you're seeing people treat their Instagram feed almost as, as a total, as, as a single image where there's, you know, there's real relationships between each post and it becomes like this very, very highly branded feed of visual content. Um, that's been a real change that we've, that we've seen. It's a, it's a very interesting one. I think it makes it harder to achieve that level for a lot of people. But um, the visual the visual effect of it is really cool because when you're in, a, in an Instagram feed, every post feels highly branded with these people. And, and if you look at the whole the whole feed there's even brands that are creating these kind of montage visual effects that when you're looking at their their last 12 posts it's kind of forming its own Mm -hmm. picture within a picture if you like yep yeah a lot of brands do a really good job of that and and when you execute it right um it it can definitely have an impact from an engagement perspective which i think is a a really key thing now for for a lot of companies that maybe they're totally startup uh, you know it's just one or two people it's two friends in college they you know they're pulling some money together and they want to start a business they may not have the expertise they may not have the assets or the time or the, the resources to be able to do things like that and so when it comes to recommendations that I would have from like a a content perspective is um, just always try to think about anything that you're posting. Um, You know, does anybody care that that simple question? Does anybody care that I'm posting this? Um, And it's a very, it's a very blunt thought, but um, you know, it's amazing to me sometimes how, um, and this is in some ways because maybe people, people just don't know, but um, you know, the things that are posted are, are just, they're, they're definitely not in line with the brand, but they also have maybe nothing to do with your business at all. And also yeah. nothing to do with the customer that you, you're trying to reach. It's just like yeah. something that well, you as the business owner likes that really has nothing to do with what you're doing. And, you know, I think it's important. Which is an, yeah. It's an awesome key point, isn't it? To think, 
don't think from the perspective of your business and yourself. You have to think from the customer. Exactly. Is my customer going to like this? Is it amusing to them? Is it relevant to them? Is it giving them value in some way? It, I, I often use the example, you know, probably people out there are not that interested in your receptionist doing the coffee run every morning and you posting a photo of that. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have such a good example that I was just thinking of that, that you brought cool. that up and it relates perfectly to that. So um, I won't mention the business, but I, I have a client Actually, this has happened a few times with different clients anyway. Um, but they they had an event and um, there was a nice spread of food. And here we have an iPhone photo in a dark room of like chicken wings, guacamole. <laughs> like, and and yeah. this, is, this is the carousel on an Instagram post. And it's just, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Completely. They treat it like their personal feed. This is what I'm doing right now. Right, and this was delicious. I want to remember what this tastes like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what's the single most important part of the e-commerce ecosystem that a, that a merchant should never ignore? Ooh, that's a pretty loaded question because for, for me, there's so many things that just ran through my head. You have to um, pick one, Ben. You have to pick one. Well, I, I guess... I'll give you two. I'll give you two. So the That's first, good enough. One, yeah, the first one would be for a, a lot of merchants that I'll connect with. That um, for for drop shipping businesses especially, I think this is sort of a, a, a bigger issue. Um, a lot of drop shipping businesses will focus much less on the brand, and they're more focused on becoming Amazon and trying to sell everything under the sun. And yeah. it's just not the way to do it because. Uh, until you as, as a brand have established something, nobody's going to buy any of the things that you're offering because you have, you know, you, because you have pet leashes and you have knockoff uh, Bluetooth headphones and you have like all these different things that are just such a mix that somebody could buy from the legitimate brand on Amazon and have all the benefits that Amazon does. Yeah. So, so that's a sort of a combination of a point around brand, building a brand but also having a focused niche. Definitely, definitely. Because you, you, it's very hard to build like the, the sort of quote-unquote Amazon type of brand. So if, you, if you're focused in on some one thing that you can put your marketing behind and put your focus behind um, – yeah, that, that's where I can see drop shipping businesses have more success. Um, yeah. And then this, I mean, this applies to drop shipping businesses too, but more, more so for others. Um, the other point I wanted to bring up too was uh, email marketing. Um, email marketing, I guess you could include um, chat marketing and, and SMS in that conversation as well. But um, sure. I think that it, it's, uh, it's obviously a, a concept and, and something that's been around for a long time. But people don't necessarily have a sense of what should I be doing with with emails. Oh, we have a list, but our list stinks, and you know we we try to email every once in a while, and and you know we don't really know what to say. Like th- there's yeah. uh, especially for smaller businesses, there's sort of this hesitance um, to uh, do anything related to email because they don't know what to do. Um, and, yeah. and really, I, I, I will advocate that for this for a long time. Email is, is going to remain for a while the best way to stay connected to your customer. And, and I, I kind of group chat marketing into that and SMS into that because that's obviously 
had a huge influence on um, you know your relationships with your customers. But and they're all direct to an individual channels, aren't they? Exactly. Which going back to our, our points before about you know the, the changes with social algorithms, you know, building that direct relationship with people is really important. But then also yeah. like email automations, like like people just don't don't necessarily always think about that, and, and that's one for me that. Um, is so impactful. Um, completely, yeah. completely. I, I was going to say, I think a lot of small to medium-sized merchants just simply don't understand what is possible with email marketing. Yep. They and, still see it as a, as a monthly blast out of kind of news about the business and, and they don't really understand beyond that too well what is possible and what has become possible in the last sort of two to four years is, is completely changing everything around that space. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, me being in Clavio's partner program, for example, when I talk to people about, you know, they, they want to do email marketing and that's why they're reaching out. And I, I say, have you heard of Clavio? Yeah, we've heard of Clavio. We have an account and, you know, we got, we have our list and the things that you can do with an abandoned cart flow or the things that you can do with a welcome automation and the filters that you can put in place. And when I tell people like, I, I never really tell any client like here. Here's how much money you're going to make if you do this. But when I that's tell people, dangerous. yeah, that, that's a very dangerous road to go down. But, <laughs> but but what I do say is that um, you know if you put in place you know these sets of um, of automated flows on your email program that I'm going to recommend to you, the that will more than pay for the platform itself. So if you know if people are hesitant on oh. I, I have this list and I don't know if these people are good. I don't know how much it's going to cost me a month because I'm coming out of this new platform. And it's, it's so powerful uh, what you can completely. do. Yeah, completely. I mean, I think what they engage with, what they, they can understand is the idea of, of having these, these automated flows that are going out without anyone having to do anything. Exactly. But not only that, they're, de- they're actually delivering messages that are relevant to the individual who's receiving them. And if you can start to build out to sort of 10 to 15 to 20 flows, that is a hell of a lot of communication that your business is doing to customers and it's not spam communication. It's actually relevant communication based on what that customer likes, how they've engaged with your business and so on. Right. And the thing for for there's sort of another level of this too because there's people that um, – they do email marketing and they have in-house resources and they have a good strategy in place, but sometimes people are just hesitant because there's work involved at the beginning. But for a lot of that, once you do the work, once you set up that flow, once you refine your messaging, well, that's when you start to make money and then you're, you're not even touching anything. That's right, and that's very appealing to anyone. So yes. <laughs> let's, 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 I don't know if we probably went off and covered more than two there, but let's stick to the top two here. What, what are the top two most common mistakes that you see Shopify store owners making? Um, depending on the business, but for a lot of businesses, um, uh, collection merchandising and just the general like, formatting of how and where you're displaying products on the website. Um, yeah. You know, that's definitely something to really think about. It, you know, you don't have to spend a, a whole ton of time and, and you know think that it's some um, um, you know difficult task, I suppose. But um, you know, thinking strategically about how you you are laying out your products so that you can 
um, ultimately reduce the number of clicks that somebody has to make to get to the point of purchase. Um, for yeah. example, uh, one of the first recommendations I make when I, if I'm doing an audit for a client and they've got in their main menu shop and about and contact and press and like all these things that are all yeah. legitimate, you know, legitimate resources and content. Anytime I see a client that's got uh, non e-commerce focused links in their main menu, I tell them, get it out, put it in a, like a yeah. top bar, maybe above that, put it in the footer. Um, yeah. but break out that shop menu so that you're not wasting the extra, like on desktop, the extra hover or the extra tap on mobile. Um, you know, really, really think about that. Yeah, um, completely. And, that and it seems like mm-hmm. a detail as well, but it, it can be, it can be incredibly powerful to it's anything that you can do to connect your, your customers more quickly to the products that they want to see is going to have an effect in the long term. 100%. And actually, for one of my larger clients, what we're doing um, is we're going to be doing an A-B test on menu reformatting because they're they're in that same boat where they've got you know a shop link and, and then it breaks out into all their collections. And, so, and mobile, they have an animation built in when you tap any drop-down item. So there's like this split-second delay for you to yep. tap shop and then tap something else and then by by the time you know you're still on the home page and you've you've clicked on three things yeah that's never going to work it sounds like that client has been um sold a, like a fluffy bit of shiny fruit that they thought looked cool but no one really thought about what it meant for a customer yeah no definitely and and you know what thankfully their business is actually doing pretty well so i'm excited to see how much better we can get it to do at that point and do you have another mistake for us, Ben? Yeah, another common, I think common mistake? kind of coming off of that, um, thinking about mobile, um, you know, and this is obviously dependent on the theme that a merchant may be using. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of times um, I, I see merchants that will create an image and they'll Photoshop on uh, text onto that image. Um, and then their yeah. theme doesn't accommodate either, um, you know, a... a placing a different image in that spot on mobile or hiding a certain image on mobile or, you know, if they're cropping that image on mobile, which is generally a good thing, but if they have text on it, it's cropping the text. So just always kind of be considerate of that. Um, You know, sometimes I, I, and I know from experience to having worked for a brand and having, you know, kind of staring at a screen all day and looking at the website um, it's, it's almost easy to forget like, Oh wait, what about people coming on their phones to the website? Um, and, you know, mobile optimization is probably even an outdated term at this point, but um, it's so, so important, um, especially oh. now because there's also, there's a lot more of the newer Shopify premium themes that are, are coming out um, and being released that are taking into account mobile optimization of images cropping images for mobile so you don't want to put text on there um you know you want the overlaid text from from the section that you're entering in and And it comes down to people people being subjective i think that they work on their sites probably on a desktop so they're looking on a site that the site on a desktop it all looks great on a desktop in that situation that you describe where the where the text has been made part of the same image and they don't they don't think about the mobile and what's going to happen. They just keep moving forward. Exactly. And, again, I think a lot of people don't don't 
realise how important mobile is, which they should because in most cases the majority of traffic or the majority of people are using their mobiles to browse. Yep, definitely. I, I mean, most anybody that I deal with, and, and I'm sure you see the same, you know, anywhere from 60 to 80 even higher of a percentage yep. of, of visits to their site are on mobile. And everybody, for the people that are a little bit more conscious of, of mobile, they're asking, you know, how can we convert better on mobile? Well, you know, think about from a design perspective, the, the sizing of buttons, the sizing of menu options, links, how easy is it to read text, you know, all the more sort of advanced things that you'll get into from a strategic perspective, but you know, obviously super important. Yeah, completely agree, completely agree. So if we come back to sort of the current situation and maybe looking at the rest of 2020, sure. um, obviously we're going back to C19. Can you take a look into your crystal ball for us, Ben, and how do you see the e-commerce landscape changing uh, on the other side of COVID? Well, I, I, I'm interested to see what happens with all of these um, at-home workout businesses or, or service-oriented businesses around you know, things that happen in the home, whether it's you know exercise or um, uh, classes or just anything that has to do with people not having to go anywhere and yep. with um, somebody on the other end as a business owner not having to um, – uh, have the extra expense of delivering goods and and I, I'm I think and this is just my own opinion I think that sort of model is going to be built out even further I mean just today uh, and and even in the last week I've gotten two different um, uh, merchants that I've spoken to about um, they have this new home workout product and. Um, you know, we're now, we're, we're, we were supposed to bring it to market later on in the year, but we're now, we're doing it now. Um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen to gyms and to, to different um, services like that in the world, but I think it's, that's definitely here to stay. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. So, so what you're saying basically is some of this stuff that's been done to pivot and make, make try and survive in COVID is actually going to create this new sort of sector around stay-at-home services and products. I think so, for sure. Yeah, I, I think mean, you're right because yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be moving to spending more time at home in the longer term. I think more people are going to work from home more. Um, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's really interesting and it reminds me of something really funny I saw yesterday. So there's now a, a service, an online service, and this is exactly what you're talking about, but it's it's hairdressers who are doing DIY hairdressing work walkthroughs by video link. So wow, people are at home cool. and they're not, they can't go to the hairdressers, so they're looking messy for their Zoom meetings. So now there's a business that's helping them cut their own hair. Wow. <laughs> I, heard, I saw that yesterday on The Hustle. I don't know if you get that email, The Hustle. You, you um, know, it's really funny. So um, obviously we've been locked down for the last you know, couple of months basically, you know, six weeks or so. Uh, yeah, my hair was not looking great, and so just prior to getting on this podcast with you, uh, my wife and I are, are sitting in our bathroom, and she's shaving my head, and we're about halfway through. We're actually not even done yet. So right, when we're done here, we're going back to uh, to finish up the top, and uh, yeah, we could we could probably use the help. <laughs> 
That's brilliant. Well, the, the the story led in by this this classic story. I don't know if it's true, but it's very funny that there was some there was some legal people on a Zoom meeting with a judge, and one of the lawyers zoomed in. He was still in bed in his pajamas, <laughs> and and they're kind of going, "Look, people are losing it about Zoom. They're just turning up to these Zoom meetings, not not caring at all where they are or what they look like." So yeah, it, was, right. it, was a, it was really funny story around it but yeah DIY haircuts they're, they're coming they're coming at you I can't remember the name of the company but uh, anyway I saw it on that the hustle the hustle yeah yeah goes that's great mate do you have any final insights or or uh, anything advice that you want to share with us before we wrap it up um uh, final insights uh, I mean for me the, the thing that I always tell people um, whether it's merchants that I have the pleasure of working with, whether it's um, people that I've been fortunate to connect with at Shopify. Um, for me, Shopify has totally changed my life. Um, and and I, I, it's just incredible to think that I think I was very lucky that seven years ago when I started that sunglasses business, I chose to create it on Shopify because I yeah. had other options to go with at the time. You would have um, done, yeah. And it, it's just it, it's just amazing to think how the platform has grown over the last seven years and really in its entirety of, of existence. But yeah. um, I am just so happy and fortunate to, to be um, in the position that I'm in now out here helping merchants and – um, you know, helping them with Shopify and their marketing, helping them grow their businesses. Um, it's and, a really rewarding it. space to be in, I think, isn't it? Whether you're working with a startup or, or potentially even more so with the startups and the small businesses, but but at any size business to be helping people get more out of their business in a really tangible way is just a super rewarding place to be in. I, I think so too and, and I think, we, you know, we're in the same boat. We're very grateful about discovering Shopify and, and in the last couple of years niching more and more into into specializing in it. Yes, definitely. Yeah, when, when people, you know, when they, they email you, oh, we made our first sale or we uh, we start running that ad and, and, you know, why are we getting so many orders today? Like those, those types of calls and emails are, are the best. Completely. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, thank you very much, Ben, um, from Ben Zettler Digital Media. It's been awesome to speak with you. Really appreciate you connecting with us from uh, from New York City or, or uh, New Jersey. We should be very specific because I know there's a lot of uh, us versus them with uh, Jersey and New yeah. York. But, yeah, it's been awesome to speak to you, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the Shopify Dropify with us. It's been a really a pleasure being on the show. I really appreciate you inviting me on and I look forward to staying in touch and um, you know seeing what we might be able to do together in the future. Completely, man. And all the very best of luck with the rest of 2020, but right now with finishing off that haircut. Yes, I will go concentrate on that. <laughs> Thanks again, Ben. Awesome to talk to you, mate. Great. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you need advice or help with anything to do with selling online, online store or e-commerce marketing, Ben and Scott at The Cut are here and ready to give you guidance. Please share this podcast. We're dropping new episodes every week or two with new insights from e-commerce experts, Shopify merchants and app developers. And you're invited to guest on this podcast. Just call The Cut or visit thecut.net.au to make it happen. Shopify till you dropify. Thanks for listening. 
Access e-commerce expertise from The Cut anytime. Visit thecut.net.au and connect on Facebook and LinkedIn.